Welcome to the Holy City Church Podcast Station. This is Pastor Angel. If you missed Sunday's sermon or want to listen to it again, you're in the right place. We're glad that you can take the time to catch up as we go through God's Word together. So I hope you're ready. But if you're not, grab your Bible. Let's get ready for what God has in store for us today. So today, all around the world, we, we and, and I say all around the world, it's not necessarily every single part of the world, but a lot of the majority part of the world is uh, celebrating Mother's Day today. And I don't know if you know, but Mother's Day uh, was first celebrated in 1907. That's a long time ago. And actually, it was a woman by the name of Anna Jarvis who held a memorial for her mother at a church called St. Andrew's Methodist Church. But she actually kind of started all that. She wanted to, to make this a common thing, and she started kind of uh, making this happen two years prior to that event. So Mother's Day has been something that's been going on for, for a long time. Uh, at least here, this American version has been going on for more than 100 years. And today is no different. Today is one of those days that we just kind of stop, and we, we honor and we celebrate all mothers, all types of mothers, uh, with all roles, all types of roles. Uh, and I don't usually like to preach about, you know, a, a uh, holiday that we may be celebrating. You, you notice the last couple of years, I never really be like, oh, today is Memorial Day, so let's talk about Memorial Day. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, uh, you know, other than Easter and Christmas, those are the only ones that I, I stick with. I don't, I don't usually go out of my way. But this year, I think, is, is appropriate to do so. And the reason I decided to go out of my way this year is because motherhood in general has been attacked and is being attacked for the last couple of years. And society is trying to, to redefine what it means to be a woman. And that is not something that we necessarily uh, want to just be like, okay, let's let it happen and it's all good, right? We want to do something about that. We don't want to just let that go by. Uh, we have to deal already with the things like uh, gender identity and feminism, right, where where women is women power and we can do everything and and we don't need you know and we don't need to do certain things right at the same time which is weird but you know and then we have gender identity issues where where men are trying to be women and women are trying to be men and and these are the type of things that are happening nowadays and and we have society working hard to change what it means to be a woman they're they're trying very hard to change the definition to change the roles to change how women do things I mean, and don't get me wrong, I, I admire a lot of the new things that have changed, right? There have been bad things that have been changed for good, and, and that's not necessarily what I'm talking about. You know, I know there's other cultures that still look down on women and still see women as nothing and treat them as nothing. So I'm glad that in this country, at least, we don't have to, you know, we've made those changes where we treat women with respect and, and we lift women rather than putting them down. But the problem I have with society is, is not necessarily that. My problem is, is that they're changing the good things. They want to change the good things that have been established, all the values that have been established by God. They want to change that as well. And I don't think any of us are okay with that. At least we shouldn't be. But the thing is that it just is it doesn't just end there. 
It doesn't end with the attack on womenhood. Not too far behind that, we start to see an attack on motherhood. So they just don't want to stop wanting to set ungodly standards for women. They also want to redefine what it means to be a mother. And they want to redefine what it means to be have to what it means to have a role of a mother. You see, God has established through his creation a perfect purpose for mothers. And society wants to make this a bad thing. They want to change it. It is no longer acceptable to society to say, I am sticking with my godly given conviction and live my life as a woman and a mother of God that he's called me to live. They, they don't accept that. There's no longer something that's good. So what do they do? They attack these values. They attack these values with things like abortion, humiliation. You know, and sometimes they even go the extreme to outcast your idea and outcast you because you have those ideas. And this is coming from an inclusive culture. Where if God is in it, then you're no longer included. So today I want to talk about what it means to be a true godly mother. Because I know since we have a lot of that to deal with, sometimes it's so easy to forget what it is that God has called us to as mothers. And when I say us, I'm not including myself. Okay? I generalize. I'm speaking for mothers, right? And there are a lot of attributes and fruits that define a godly mother, but I just want to point out to two that I think kind of sums up everything. The first thing I want to look at is how a godly mother is obedient to the call of motherhood. And for that, I have a great example, and you can find it in first, uh, not first, uh, you can find it in regular John, not first John. John chapter 1, verse 28 to 32. You don't have to stand because I'm going to read a lot of Bible verses today. John chapter 1, but she was greatly troubled and saying, and tried to discern which sort of greetings this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you were conceived in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And we all know the story of Mary. We've told it many times. We've all gone into details about the story of Mary and, and how she, she became pregnant. So I'm not going to go into heavy detail on it. But we do have an understanding that God chose to bestow grace on, on Mary. And out of his choosing, Mary was given the blessing to be the mother of of Jesus. So she was given the blessing to be the mother of that who's going to save the world. I mean, God could have placed Jesus in this world in many different ways, right? He could have done like a uh, an uh, 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 Adam and Eve. Sorry, I was mixing the names. Adam and Eve, some other way where he could have just brought him down here. He's God. He could do many things. But he chose to put Jesus in the womb of Mary. He chose to put Jesus in the womb of a woman. 
God chose Mary and made her a mother. And let me tell you, I'm willing to bet anything. I'm willing to bet my life that she was not expecting this. This was not something that she was like, oh, I wonder if one day I'm going to be the mother of the Messiah. But as you continue to read, we can start to see why she's the greatest sample of a godly woman. It starts with the acknowledgement of who she is in front of God. And she says that she was greatly troubled. The fact that Mary is troubled at what the angel was telling her, by what the angel was saying. She was shocked. She couldn't understand what he was saying. She was like, excuse me, I think you might have the wrong person because I'm none of that that you're saying. All she knew was that she was just a poor, broken servant. But even then, knowing who she was, she understood what was happening. She understood exactly what was going on. And she trusted God. So she says in verse 38, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. You know, Mary was very well aware of the prophecy. Okay? She was very well aware of the coming Messiah. Mary was a woman who studied the word and she, she wasn't ignorant. But she knew this meant that she was going to be a mother of the Messiah and her life has just changed in a matter of seconds. Her life changed in a blink of an eye. Society who would think she was an adulterer. I mean... How do you explain this to a society that, you know, doesn't care for God, right? And you tell her, well, this baby that I have, you know, I, I did not cheat on my soon-to-be husband, right? God gave me this child. He just put it in my womb. So this, you know, something so difficult to explain, I'm pretty sure everybody's going to think she was an adulterer, and she knew that. She knew she was about to embark in one of the most unexpected and difficult events that a woman could face in those times. It was hard. But what did she do? What did Mary do? She was obedient to the call. She was obedient to the call no matter what it was going to cost her. You know, Mary was confident to argue and, and debate. She could have rejected it. I mean, she was young. She had her whole life ahead of her. You can imagine so many things that she wanted to do with her life. But she was a woman of God. And she knew that God was in control and she obeyed and took that role. She took on that role of a mother even if she wasn't expecting it to be. See, there is an expectation in the society nowadays where woman is, is to prioritize her life a lot different than what Mary did. Women are taught to prioritize your life very different than what she did. See, women are expected before having any kids to have lived and accomplished those things that she desires the most. It's like, wait, before you have kids, make sure you travel the world, okay? You know, that's what you want to do. Travel the world before you have kids, right? 
and do awesome things and experience different things or at least have make sure you have a career right you know make sure your career is already going and and you've you've you got your masters and and your doctor your doctor now you got your own clinic for be, don't have a kid before before you, you your your career path is already going i hear a lot about the pressure that many women are under to be more progressive i mean i read it all the time how how they feel like if they're not progressive enough you know they're going to be looked down on and they they're going to be talked about about and these women want to be more like christ but they're looked down and they're shamed because they have a different set of priorities. And their priorities is not something that's dictated by feminism. We, right? That's what I hear all the time. Why should we have to put our life on hold, right? Just because you want us to have kids. Pew Research shows that mothers are delaying their motherhood through their 20s. The median age of which a woman becomes a mother now is the age of 26. It used to be 23 in 1994. My wife actually, I believe, after the math, but I think she was about 21 years old. And a lot of people told her, oh, isn't that a little bit too, too soon? And it's like, she's 21 years old. <laughs> what do you think she's, she's going to be doing? <laughs> right? In this research, when asked, children actually ranked way below college. It ranked way below travel. Kids ranked below the ability to go out at night at your leisure, below toning your body at the gym, before any job you may have or hope to get. So the priorities that society is setting is that kids are down here, but everything else is up here. Uh, sure you gotta go to the gym if you have kids and you can't go to the gym rather than submitting to the world she submits to god just like mary did when she's given that gift and that privilege to take care of one of god's creation she's not going to back down she's not going to reject it she's not going to find excuses i got tons of excuses I remember before having my first kid, I spoke to uh, the bishop. You guys know the bishop, the bishop's son. I was like, oh, I don't know, man. You know, I don't have enough money. I can't afford it. He told me, you're never going to afford it. You're never going to afford to have kids. We got tons of excuses. But a godly woman doesn't find excuses. She just obeys. She knows it's going to be hard because I haven't had one mother tell me, well, this is the easiest thing I've ever done in my life. I said, you know, I, I planned the first one, but the second one kind of surprised me. He's definitely not ready when it's unexpected, maybe even unwanted. Definitely is difficult. But she knows that this is a blessing from God himself. And she understands that not every, every woman is going to have this opportunity. So she sees that as a blessing. And she obeys God. She knows he's going to change everything. But she knows that God is in control and he makes no mistakes. 
So a godly woman is going to put her trust in God, and he's going to obey his calling to be a mother. Let me tell you, even when society looks down on you because you didn't get a career before you had your kids, when they proceed to woman as a godly mother, know that your life is not worth more than the child that you're carrying. And you know that in that child, God is going to be glorified. Even if it was unexpected, even if, if you weren't looking for it, you know that your God is going to be glorified. Because just like Mary knew it wasn't about her, your life is not about you, it's about God. Being a godly mother also means that she knows the importance of a role as a mother. The godly mother knows her calling as a mother. She understands the role that she plays. She knows that it's a big, important role. And, and I'm not trying to take away a role of a father, okay? This is Mother's Day, not Father's Day. So we'll talk about that, and I promise you, I'll, I'll, I'll add it in, okay? Because a father plays an important And I want to tell you about three roles that a godly mother should be aware of and, and she should take part in. And the first one is the role of a caretaker. A godly mother knows that she has been given the calling to be a caretaker. And if there's one thing mothers are good at, it's caring for her kids. They are very good at that. And I'll admit it, they're better than us. And they do that even if they're not, it's not their own kids. Because let me tell you, a real godly mother will look after the kids even if it's not their own. You don't have to give birth to your kid to say, I am a mother. There are many different women that are taking care of kids. They have adopted, they have fostered. They don't even have to foster and adopt it. I want to first take you to Romans chapter 16, verse 13. It's a very short verse. There's not much theology behind this. I just want to point something out. And he says, Greet Rufus. Choose, chosen in the Lord, also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. So this is Paul writing. And Paul acknowledges Rufus, Rufus's mother as his own. It's not his biological mother, but he recognizes her as his own mother. So this means that this woman treated him like if it was her own, even if it wasn't her own. This means that she had a great and tremendous impact on the life of Paul. And I know this because Paul does. I just want to, we know Paul. Paul, he's got to say something. He's going to tell you. <laughs> so if he's saying this, he really does mean it. She did make a big impact on his life. This means that this woman went out of her way to take care of Paul the same way she took care of her own son. A godly mother knows that she has the heart and the calling to make a difference in a kid's life, even if she didn't give birth to them. 
let me tell you, if you ask my kids, hey, which is your favorite parent? They're going to say me. But as soon as they feel bad, as soon as they get hurt, as soon as something's wrong, who do they go to? They don't go to me. They go to mommy. Whatever it is, I'm only the favorite when they need to buy something. That's it. But other than that, they go to mom. Anything they need, they go to mom. It is mom because she has that persistent love that reflects that love that God has for those who he's called his sons and daughters. They, they're so good at reflecting that love of Christ. They are literally the worst kids that you've ever seen in your entire life. Let me tell you, every mother thinks their kid is an angel. And, and, I, and let me tell you, I, I got proof of that yesterday on the way home. Adam, you know, you guys know Adam, right? And Adam fell asleep in the car. And she was like, oh, look what an angel. Are we talking about the same kid? They always think their, their kid is an angel. No matter what they do, they're the best. I've seen godly mothers pray long and hard for the salvation of their kids. Even to the point where, where they're dying in their bed and they're breathing their last breath. And yet they're still praying, more worried about the salvation of their own kids than what's happening to them at that moment. God-given role by caring for the lives of the children, even if you have to put yourself second. That's what mothers do. That's what godly mothers do. Another role of a godly mother is to be influential. The godly mother lives out her role by influencing the kids that she has been given. And there are many ways mothers can influence their kids. She can influence them in a good way. I know many mothers who will go out of the way to make sure their sons know how to treat women. They know how to respect women. They know what the role is as men. At the same time, you know, they influence their, their daughters to understand how they did that way. Like what we see in the last couple of years where Mothers have encouraged their child to maybe get a sex change hormones or surgeries. But there's nothing more godly than a mother who influences their child in the things of God. Good example, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, where it says, I am reminded of your sincere faith a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Louise, and your mother, Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. This is Paul talking to Timothy, writing, he wrote him a letter. And this doesn't say that Timothy came to Christ because of his mother and his grandmother, okay? It wasn't something that he's saying. Uh, actually, as a matter of fact, I believe Paul's, Preaching and teaching is what God used as a tool to bring Timothy to Christ. But behind the teachings and everything that was happening there and his grandmother. 
Timothy had two God-fearing examples. Two mothers that were God-centered and they were influencing him. And one way we can see how she influenced him was with his faith. We don't know when they came to faith in God, right? The Bible doesn't tell us that in specific. And we also don't know, or we do know that Timothy's father was a non-believer. You can find that in Acts. But this just tells us that even though it's intended for the father to take the lead, a mother who puts her faith in Christ can have sincere faith. It can't be just one of those faith that, you know, when you're at home and you have to dust off your Bible because someone from church is coming to visit you and, you know, uh, I got faith now. I want to make sure I got to show I got faith, right? That's not the faith that we're talking about. It has to be sincere faith. It must be a faith that truly believes in Jesus. It has to be a faith that believes that He is the Savior. And it has to be a faith that, that pushes you to walk and live in that reality of that faith that you have. Let me tell you, the kids, your kids are watching you. Every move you take. I know many stories of kids who leave church just because my parents act one way at church and they're completely different at home. So I don't believe none of this church stuff. You must walk and you must reflect that faith. You must be humble. You must be able to humble yourself when you make mistakes. You must be able to ask for forgiveness. And you must be thankful for everything in all seasons of your life. A godly mother will live out her faith and, it will, and she will hand it down to the kids that she's responsible for. Another role of a mother to be a teacher of the word of God. Go a few chapters forward. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Verse 13 to 15. Says while evil people. And impostors will go and from. Will go on from bad to worse. Deceiving and being deceived. But as for you. Continue in what you have learned. And have firmly believed. It with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. We can see here that as Timothy was going, growing in his childhood, his mother and his grandmother trained Timothy in God's word. Paul was telling Timothy to remember who are those people he learned the word from? That includes Paul himself. That includes those who mentored him. But that includes his mother and his grandmother. He's saying, you can see the reality of the word of God in those who are influencing you. 
whatever it is that they're teaching you, those women, your mother, your grandmother, whatever it is that they're teaching you, you can see the truth because they're living it out. And even though all kids need good mentors in this church, and we're always looking out for the kids in here, and that's what we're supposed to do. It's, it's good that we have all types of mentors, teachers, and, and anyone who teaches the Word of God to those kids. For the parent, parent is the primary means to which the kids learn the Word of God. That's who they learn the Word of God. It's your responsibility as a mother to make sure your kids are taught the Word of God first before anybody else, before any mentor, before any church. That's why the wisest man in the world said, train up your child in the way that he should go. And even when he's old, he will not depart from it. So what is the way that he should go? The way of Scripture. That's where the path is. That's what you should be teaching your kids. Like Second Timothy three. It's like Paul said, right? The scriptures is that what you need to teach your kid, your child. Because that's what's going to make him wise for salvation through faith in Jesus. important that you teach your kids the scripture that is your role as a good godly mother I mean think about it this is what's going to save his life the word God Christ that's the salvation that's where the eternity comes in you love your kid you're not going to eh, he doesn't need that you're going to teach him what's going to save him. The role you... I mean, you've seen and heard stories of the impact that godly mothers have had on their kids. You've seen it here. You can see how some families struggle, but the mother is there teaching her kids, and you can see that in their kids. And this applies to whether you're a single mother or a married mother. I like how, how Spurgeon says this. Never could it be possible for any man to estimate what he owes to a godly mother. Certainly I have not the power of speech which, with which to set forth my values of the choice blessings which the Lord bestowed on me in making me the son of one who prayed for me and prayed with me. How can I ever forget her tearful eyes when she warned me to escape from the wrath to come? How can I ever forget what she bade my son might live before thee? You know, I hear those words Spurgeon speaks and I can't help but to, to kind of put myself in his shoes and, and think of the things that my mother has to go through or went through as, you know, was young. All the pains that I put her through. All the nights, long nights that I have made her uh, stay up 
praying. And I know that many of us may not have had that full privilege to, to experience this. And I, and I know some may not be able to experience it now because their mother is no longer with them. But I do, that, I do know that many, if not all, have been had the opportunity to be a godly mother to your own biological son or a child you just met. Revealed some shortcomings in your motherhood. And I get it. You know, the world got the best of you. Right? And your kids probably got the worst of you. And I probably now, you know, feel like your brokenness is, is coming through that hard shell that the world tells you that you must have as a woman. Can never be seen to have emotions. Can never be seen to be failed, right? Be a failure of not coming through, right? For here's the thing. There's nothing greater than to realize your shortcomings. And this goes for anyone. The beginning of repentance and the beginning of your re regeneration starts with acknowledging the fact that you have fallen short. To not giving them the time and the attention that they needed. You haven't taught them the word of God. You haven't been praying for them. Whether you put your mother through hell when you were a kid. And we all have. We've all fallen short. Repent and put your trust in him because he will forgive you. And then start being a godly mother that he's called you to be. He's, she, God has blessed you to be a mother figure. Start being that mother figure that he called you to be. God will use you just as he used Mary, as he used Lois, as he used Eunice, and as he used Rufus' mother. He's going to use you to make a difference in a kid's life. Don't let society try to shame you or convince you to go back on your convictions. You know, though, that's not your kid. You didn't give birth to that kid. That's not your responsibility. No, focus on yourself first. Because what God has created you for would only glorify, glorify himself even more. Hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. If you have any questions, would like to connect or listen to our library sermons, jump right over to our website at www holycitychurch.us Again, we want to thank you for listening and remember, this podcast is not intended to replace your time at the church. So we hope you have a blessed week and talk to you again next week on Catch Up with Holy City Church. Holy City Church